Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Josh. If you're new here with us this morning, I'm the preaching pastor here. And uh, we're thankful that you are able to join us this morning to worship Jesus. And we are in Psalm 71 this morning. So for many of you, Psalm 71 is a new psalm. It's, uh, it's not a psalm you're super familiar with. Um, and I'm excited about that because I want to unpack these truths with you this morning. So we're thankful that you're here. Um, as we get into God's Word, I want to just take a few moments to pray for our school teachers, our school administrators, our students. Um, right now, as you guys all know, um, most students are heading back to school either this, this next week or it'll be very soon or it's already started. So we're going to pray because the focal point, uh, one of the focal points of our culture right now is in that area of education. And so we really want to pray for our school administrators, um, our teachers, our students. Uh, within Living Waters, we have several school districts represented. We have um, all different kinds of education represented from homeschool to Christian school to public school. So what, what I want to do is just say a word of prayer and a word of blessing. I think we really need God this year. Amen. I think we really need the Lord this year, more, more so than most years. And um, so I'm going to say a word of prayer of blessing um, over all of you guys and the different education realities that people are stepping into. And as that, as that goes, um, just if you're in the Carlisle district, I want you just to know that I, I've been invited to be at the high school today, and I'm going to be praying over the school and the administration building in the elementary school at 4 o'clock. So if you're in that district and this interests you to come out, um, I'll be there at 4. We'd love to see you. We're going to say a prayer over our teachers and our students and our administrators as well. Okay? So let's, uh, let's bow our heads before God and uh, ask for a word of prayer and God's blessing. Father, we thank you for your incredible grace to us. Lord, we do pray a prayer of blessing over our administrators, over our teachers, over our students, over our school boards, God, over the educational settings that, that we know of. God, I pray for our homeschoolers. I pray, God, for moms that are getting ready to take the mantle of education in their home pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would move, God, in great ways in both the teachers and the learners in that context. God, I pray for Christian schools. God, I pray that you'd be with the administrators and the teachers and the students there, God. May you put your hand of blessing upon all those who get to study your word within a classroom setting. God, would you please bless that? And God, we pray for all the public school districts that are represented within Living Waters. I think there's six of them now. God, we ask that you would be with public school teachers, students, administration, staff. God, so many moving parts. So much spiritual warfare right now, God, in our communities regarding education. And God, we pray that you would honor Jesus within the hearts of every single believing teacher, student, and administrator. God, 
May this be a year where we hear from heaven. May you empower us and strengthen us. Lord, to see your hand. And God, help us to be persevering in prayer. God, we pray as we approach Psalm 71. God, we pray for your spirit to move through the word of God. Lord, nothing is going to happen significantly in our lives without your spirit activating your word inside of our hearts. And so, God, we just come to you asking, pleading for you to illuminate our eyes, to see the truth that we need to see so that we can change and be more like Jesus. And Lord, I pray for anybody in this gym that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that this would be the morning where you really start working in their lives and leading them to repentance. God, open our hearts and our minds to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So Psalm 71 is written by an elderly, aging saint. So this psalm is written by an old person, four old people, and young people, if you think you're getting off without any of God's Word speaking to you this morning, you got another thing coming. Amen? So this is, uh, this is a great psalm that I think most of us um, really probably haven't looked at before. And so aging is the process that all of us are undergoing. So no matter where you're at in the aging process, whether you're just a, a young student or whether you're reaching middle age or whether you're elderly— we're all in this process together. And we're all feeling, when we come into Psalm 71, we feel James chapter 4. And what I mean by that is we feel the reality that our life is a vapor. We are here for a moment, right? We're here as a mist. So the question is, how are you going to spend your mist what are you going to do with the, with the time that you have? There was a, a gal that after first service came up to me and she said, Pastor, I remember when I was your age. And I said, oh, okay. She said, that was 20 years ago. She said, I was your age in the year 2000. And she said, you want to know how fast the next 20 years of your life are going to go? And I said, yes, I would. Do you have a diary that I can read? And she said, it's going to go like this like this, faster than you've ever felt in your life. And I think we're all experiencing that aging process a little bit faster than what we want to. Can I get an aging amen? Right? Yeah, you want to stay young forever, but this reality of life is that you age, and the faster, the older you get, the faster the process seems to go, and the more problems you seem to have as you get older. Can I get another aging amen? Right? Super annoying. So when I was 17 years old, I used to walk onto the basketball court, and I used to look at guys in their 30s, and I used to say, man, those guys are old. Now I am one of those guys in my late 30s, and the 17-year-olds look at me, and they say, man, that guy's super old. 
And I'm like, you respect your elders. But when I was 17, I, I would look at guys who were beyond 30, like and they're in their 50s and 60s, still playing basketball, and I would just say, those guys are ancient of days. Right? I see that amen, fist, be white. I see you in the back. But just last year, we play open gym on Sunday nights for basketball. And just last year, there's a guy, older guy named Jim, who comes and plays with us. Those of you guys who play, you know Jim. And Jim comes in. He's over 60, and he walked on to the basketball court. Yeah, it's not Jim Pollock. <laughs> I need to, let's, <laughs> let's clarify just a little bit. It's not Jim. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. I didn't think about that until just now. So this guy, not Jim Pollock, different Jim, walks onto the court, and most of the guys playing open gym are like, okay, old guy, what do you still have in the tank? Do you have anything left in the tank? What's this going to be like? So Jim starts playing with us, and up and down the court he goes. First three-pointer goes in the hole. The second three-pointer he makes. Third three-pointer goes in fourth three-pointer goes in. The fifth three-pointer goes in. His team wins, and everybody's like, who is that guy? Well, that night, Jim showed us that though 60 and above, he still had a lot of fuel left in the tank. So what does the Bible say? As we come into Psalm 71, what does the Bible say about an older saint who is writing this psalm, this song for us in the summer of 2020? Well, I just want to say generally, the Bible, um, when it talks about um, people getting older or elderly folks, the Bible is very clear that elderly people need to have a high esteem in the minds of those around them. Okay? Now, our culture needs to hear this, right? Can I get an amen? Our culture needs to hear this. In the Bible, the Bible is going to say that if you have elderly people in your community or in your congregation or in your family, those individuals need to be treated with high respect and esteem. So if you have elderly believers in your life, you need to esteem them highly. Why? Because they have survived this crazy world for so many years, and we have not made it as far as them, and therefore we look at them with a fair amount of respect because the Bible commands us to. We live in a culture that, broadly speaking, is degrading and dragging down older folks, and the Bible would say, no, we lift them up. Amen? We lift them up. So Psalm 71 right away is going to point us to esteem and respect the author because he is an aging saint. Secondly, the Bible has many magnificent things to say about getting older and gray hair. Can I get a gray hair amen? Right? Psalm 16 verse 31 or Proverbs 20, 29, all of these verses say that gray hair is a sign of wisdom, okay? So if you're here and you have gray hair, you have wisdom, right? That's what the Bible would say. Now, 
Um, also in the first service, a guy responded to my message and he said, hey, pastor, you forgot about one person. And I said, oh, who's that? He's like, us bald guys. The bald guys that are old. Where's the love for us? We wish we had hair and gray hair. Like, oh yeah, right. So if you run into a bald guy who is older, picture him with hair and give him esteem. Amen? All right. So scripture points us to the realities that some saints have made their greatest contributions in their older seasons of life. So let's just run through them real quick. Moses was 80 years old when God called him in the wilderness. Um, Abraham and Sarah were 190 respectively when they gave birth to Isaac. And you also have Simeon and Anna in Luke chapter 2, at the arrival of Jesus, Simeon plays a prominent role as an older priest recognizing Jesus and recognizing him as Messiah, baby Jesus, right? And then you have Anna, who's a, an older prophetess. She comes up and recognizes Christ, and she was 84 years old. So I want to encourage those of our aging saints among us, God's not done with you yet. Amen? In fact, some of your greatest ministry might be ahead of you, and your most significant contributions to the kingdom might be ahead of you. Praise God. That's good. So, um, what's the background of Psalm 71? We don't know. All right. Paul Davis gave this sweet context story last week. Um, many of you told me you were very blessed by Paul, and man, he really built the context in the story, and I had no idea there was so much background behind Psalm 63. It was so great. I felt super discouraged. Because in Psalm 71, there is no context. We have no idea who the author is, I have no sweet story of background and all that stuff because we don't know when it was written. We don't know anything about anything. We just run into the psalm and we know that the author is an aging, getting older saint. That's all we know. So the psalmist is growing old. And, uh, and you can see in verse 20 and 20 through 24, he talks about music, harp, lyre. He talks about singing. So some scholars think that he may have been a temple musician, um, aging out of his job and writing a psalm at the end of his career as a musician in the temple. So think Brandon, think Brandon with wrinkles and gray hair, okay? That's how I want you to think of the author here. Brandon with wrinkles and gray hair. That's who's potentially writing this psalm. And here's the message of the psalm. The message of the psalm is that God's mercy, his mercy, is more than sufficient for every stage of life. God's mercy is more than sufficient for every stage of life. Well, where, where are you getting that, Pastor? Well, verse 20 and verse 21. The psalmist says, You have made me see many troubles and calamities, but you will revive me again from the depths of the earth and you will bring me up again, you will increase my greatness, and you will comfort me again. The psalmist is old, but he is saying to God, you're going to do it. You're going to do it in my life. You're going to come back around. You're going to restore me, comfort me, and your mercy is literally going to be more than sufficient for me in this stage of my life. 
And so, as we look at this psalm, we're going to see five areas that, of God's mercy and how it is more than sufficient. Um, we're going to see problems in the psalm. How many of y'all got problems? All right, yeah, everybody's got problems, right? We're going to see prayer in this psalm. We're going to see the psalmist running to prayer. We're going to see promises in this psalm where the psalmist is going to lean on the promises of God. And we're going to see proclamation where the psalmist is preaching or he's sharing with people. And then we're going to see praise. We're going to see that musical finish to this psalm. And we're going to cover all this together and by God's grace uh, be built up. So let's look at the first point. Uh, God's mercy is more than sufficient in our problems. Our problems. So what is the problem of the psalmist in Psalm 71? Well, the problem is uh, twofold. One, he has enemies, and one, two, he has worries. He's got enemies and he's got worries, okay? So if you have enemies and if you have worries this morning, you can relate to the psalmist. So we see this in verse 4. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. So in that verse alone, you have wicked people, you have unjust people, and you have cruel people all forming up an adversarial uh, bent toward the psalmist. So he's got that. In verse 9, he has enemies. Or I'm sorry, verse 10. For my enemies speak concerning me, and those who watch for my life consult together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there's none to deliver him. He's old, and he can't have God on his side anymore. Let's go get him. The word enemies there in verse 10 is, is mentioned 282 times in the Old Testament alone. Okay, so the psalmist has enemies. How many of you have enemies? All right, yeah, you all have enemies. The psalmist has enemies, and he's old. Can't we just leave the old guy alone? Amen? Let's just leave him alone. But he is moving towards the end of his life, and he's saying, I've got enemies. And you got to think that he is thinking right now in his psalm, he's thinking, I am too old for this right? I don't need enemies. I've already had enemies. Why do I need more enemies? Well, that's a problem. Now, older saints in this gym right now, if I can just talk to you for a little bit. You got enemies? Sure you do. They've changed faces, haven't they? And they've changed forms. The enemies that you had at 20 are not the enemies you had at 40. The enemies you have at 40 are not the enemies you have at 60 and 80. You have different enemies. And the last enemy that all of us will face is, the Bible says, death. Death is the final enemy that we will face. And the, the psalmist is old and he has had all these things and he says, I've got a problem, enemies. Now, if you're younger here, if I can talk to you just for a little bit, if you think that you will skate through life without any enemies, you have another thing coming. Okay? Every stage of life, we will have enemies. Jesus said it this way. He said, if they have hated me, they will hate you as well. And for those of you who are thinking, I just want to retire from enemies, I just want to just point out the American dream is a false gospel. Okay? It's a false gospel. To make a lot of money and retire— the American dream says, when you retire with this big stack of money, 
you can go live on a beach. And we'll be sending you John Piper's sermon um, from Don't Waste Your Life 2000. You're going to get that email on Tuesday. But you think, I'm going to go live on a beach. I'm going to have no problems. I will have no enemies whatsoever. And I want to tell you, whether you're young or old, don't buy the lie of the American dream. You will have enemies at every stage. The psalmist also has worries. He's got worries. Look at verse 9. Don't cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. The psalmist is saying, God, I'm worried that you are going to abandon me. As I age and as I get older, everything else in my life is abandoning me. Like what? Like my health. I'm getting older. I have more health complications. Maybe my family is abandoning me. Maybe my mind is abandoning me. God, are you going to abandon me too? That's a problem. Well, verse 18 also points us to the reality of worry. God, don't forsake me when I have old age and gray hairs. So the psalmist is definitely worried, and he's got enemies, and these are problems. And I just want to exhort everybody here this morning that Psalm 71 points us to the mercy of God. It is the mercy of God that is going to carry us through our problems. Secondly, the mercy of God is sufficient to lead us to prayer. Not only is the mercy of God um, sufficient in our problems, but it's sufficient to lead us to prayer. So you can see this in verses 1 through 3. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame in your righteousness. Deliver me, rescue me, incline your ear to me, save me. That is a passionate prayer, is it not? You can't read the first two verses of Psalm 71 and not feel the passion of this older saint. So, the aging saint's prayer is not stale and lifeless, okay? It's not boring. It is gripping with passion. It is dripping with desperation. He's saying, deliver me, rescue me, save me. When I was young, I would go to prayer meeting. I had just gotten saved. I was 17 years old, 18 years old. I would go to prayer meetings. We had prayer meetings on Wednesday nights, and I would go to prayer meeting, and I would pray with two older guys. One of the guys' name was Roger. Roger was in his 80s. I was 18. And we, were, we would sit down in the, these old Baptist pews, right? And we would sit there, and we would begin to pray. And I learned how to pray from Roger. And Roger was not a stale, lifeless person when it came to prayer. Roger would wet the pew with his tears. And I would listen to Roger pray for me as an 18-year-old kid. And he would pray for others in the church. And, and tears would just come down his cheeks. And he would begin to pray and intercede for people that were in his own family and within our church, and within our community. And I learned that an old person's prayer is a mighty weapon in the hands of God. That's what I learned at 18 years old. And I still believe that with all my heart. If you're an older saint, I want you to look at verses 1 through 3, and I want you to take notes and apply this into your life. 
If your body is failing you, and your mind is failing you, and you're, you're feeling the darkness of our world crashing in on your mind, here's what I want to say as your pastor this morning. We need your prayers. If you're an aging saint, oh my, let, may Psalm 71 grip your heart to pray to pray with passion. You may not be able to get out in the community as much anymore. You may not be able to be a part of all the exciting ministry events going on at Living Waters. And I would say, put all of that aside. Get in your prayer closet. This pastor and that pastor and the staff at this church need your prayers. And you need to pray for yourself. Rescue me. Save me. And you need to pray for others. John Knox was a Scottish pastor, theologian. He lived in the 1500s. In 1540, he was thrown in the slammer because he believed in the Protestant Reformation in Scotland. He wanted the gospel to go out to every Scottish man and woman. And when he was thrown in prison, he would pray. And here's what he would pray over and over again every day. John Knox would pray, God, give me Scotland or I die. His passion was to see the gospel go out to every person in Scotland. Do you think that went unnoticed? No, that didn't go unnoticed. There was a woman who was not a big fan of John Knox. You may know her as the drink, Bloody Mary. Mary, Queen of Scotland, hated John Knox with a passion. And she said this quote, and it'll go up on the, the wall. She said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of England. Look at that quote. Would any political authority say that about your prayer life? Would anybody in this United States of America say that about you? I fear that saint's prayer life more than all the armies of the United States. John Knox knew the power of prayer. And I just want to encourage you, whether you're young or whether you're old, we need prayer. Because prayer unlocks the sufficient mercies of God in our mind and our soul. You want to feel better about our country? You want to feel better about our neighborhoods? You want to feel better about your family? Spend an hour in the prayer closet seeking the sufficient mercy of God and come out seeing if you don't feel a little bit better. If you're an older saint, we need you. And in the prayer closet, we need you more than ever. Number three, God's mercy, his sufficient mercy, leads people to promises, his promises. You can see this in verse 5 and 6. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth, and you are the one who took me from my mother's womb. Now, if you skip down to verse 14, all right, the psalmist continues with the promises of God. 
I will hope continually. I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, your deeds of salvation all day long, for their numbers pass my knowledge. So the psalmist is going to lead us into the promises of God. He's not just going to end in the prayer closet. He's going to go to the promises of God. And in his trouble and in his situation, he is going to stand on the promises of God. Do you know there's not a better place in the world to stand except on the promises of Almighty God? And this older saint, he knew that. He knew that the firm foundation is the promises of Almighty God. Now, when did he realize that? When he was young, verse 5. For you are, are my hope, my trust from my youth. So he was saying, ever since I was a little kid, I've been trusting in you, God. And then in verse 6, he said, Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. This is a mind-blowing verse. How do you lean on God before you were born? Anybody got the answer to that? I asked my, one of my daughters that this week, and they're like, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, here, here's the deal. This is a very pro-life verse. If you're a Christian here, and you're trying to evaluate that discussion within our society, take a long, hard look at verse 6. Because it is saying that before the delivery of a baby, this individual was leaning on God, and God literally pulled that baby out of the womb. If you wonder if God is pro-life or not, um, read your Bible. All right, and I'm not here to make a political statement. I'm here to make a biblical statement. Amen? Isaiah 46, 3, Psalm 22, 9 and 10. The entire Psalm of 139. God values life because he authored life. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. The old saint had seen God's righteous acts in his deeds. From his youth all the way up to his middle age, now to his elderly stage of life. And he has said, look, the deeds of God, in verse 15, the deeds of salvation, their numbers past my knowledge. He can't even, in his brain, he can't even begin to describe all of the salvation moments, the God stories, the promises fulfilled. He's like, it's just beyond my brain to talk about everything that God has done. I don't know about you, but I want to hang out with this guy. I want to hang out with this old saint who is filled with stories of God's great salvation. Now, I just want to challenge you. If you're an older saint, here's what your flesh is going to tell you as you age. All right? You're going to want to complain. Can I get a complaining amen? Come on now. Coffee's too hot. Coffee's too cold. Temperature's too cold in here. It's too hot in here. There's too many things going on. Pastor, your sermon's not long enough. It's not short enough. This car doesn't get good enough gas mileage. It gets too good a gas mileage. I don't get the gas mileage that my neighbor gets. My neighbor has a better mower than me. I don't like my lawn mower. I don't want to mow anymore. The, the snow is too deep. I can't get any youth. What's wrong with the youth today? Why can't they come 
you know, serve a little more? Why, what's the work ethic of our next generation? Why can't we do this? Politics. What's going on with all this stuff? Why Republican, Democrat? Rah, rah, rah. Listen. Our sinful propensity is to complain and to murmur and to gossip. And the older we get, the easier it flows out of the mouth. If that's you, as your pastor, let me lovingly tell you, no one wants to hang out with you. Because you're not fun. When we get together with you, we don't want to hear about everything that is wrong. We want to hear about God. I want to hear about what God did in 1976. Can I get an amen? I want to hear about what God did in 1986. I want to hear about what God did in your life in 1996. I want to hear about how great God is. I want to hang out with an old person that says, I could sit, Josh, with you and tell you all of God's deeds, but they're beyond my knowledge. I can't even—I'm going to run out of time. That's the old person I want to hang out with. And by God's grace, that's the old person I want to be. Don't you? If you don't have a heart change and a mind change and a repentance in your life now, you'll never be that when you're older. I'm talking to younger people. And if you're older, it's time to say, it's not too late. You got the last season before you go meet Jesus. Let's change our attitudes. An old saint armed with the promises of God is a mighty weapon in the hands of God. Church, did you know God delivered a building debt-free for a million dollars? Come on now. Come on now. I want to just brag about Jesus for a little bit. Come on now. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Craig, not only is he a drummer, he's a cheerleader for my preaching. That's great. Let's go. But there's times in which, right, we're just like, a million bucks? Oh, that's great. That's great. Whatever. We'll move on. God did that. God did that. Our propensity is to minimize that, move on, not talk about it. Some of you have been saved in the last few months. I'm telling you, you've got a story to tell. And for those of us who want to get behind you, we have a baptism service September 27th. And every Christian, in my opinion, needs to be there to support these new believers with the most exciting thing that's ever happened to them in their life. God has done so many things. Older saints, we need your stories. In our small groups, we need your stories. In the seniors ministry, we need your stories in our youth group. We need your stories from this pulpit. We need your stories on stage. We need to hear from you, and by God's grace, younger people, here's the rebuke for us. We need to listen. We need to create some time to listen, which is the younger generation's responsibility and problem. God's mercy, his sufficient mercy, leads us to his promises. 
Fourthly, God's mercy empowers proclamation. I've got to get moving here for time. God's mercy empowers proclamation. The aging saint in verse 17 and 18, he says that he has one aim and one goal, to proclaim the wondrous deeds of God. Even to old age and gray hair, don't forsake me until I proclaim your wondrous deeds and your might to another generation. The aging, grayed, gray-haired, aged man is saying, God, I have one request. Allow me to proclaim your goodness to the next generation. Gray hair and old age, verse 18. That was fuel for proclamation. So the old man, he says, Lord, I've got gray hair and I've got old age. It's a reminder to me to proclaim to the next generation, all these young ones all over the gym at Living Waters, to proclaim to them the mighty works of God. Keep me alive so that I can proclaim. So as you age, do you ever wonder what your wrinkles are all about? Do you ever wonder about what the weight gain is all about and the health problems are all about? You go to the mirror and you just get depressed and discouraged because youth is fleeting and running away from you and you can't stop it. Instead of being depressed and discouraged by the mirror, can I just throw 17 and 18 into your life? Wrinkles and gray hair and aging are God's reminder that your time span on this earth is shrinking down and it is focusing you in to have a purpose in your last season of life. And what is that purpose? Look in the mirror, look at your wrinkles and your gray hair and say, God has given me a purpose. God, don't let me pass away until I tell the next generation about who you are. We are about ready to lose our history, church. We are one generation away from forsaking the faith. And as we age, we should look at the mirror as a motivation not to have plastic surgery. Amen? We should look at the mirror as motivation to say, I've got a little bit of time. Help me proclaim with one idea, one purpose, God's deeds to the next generation. Oh, to have older saints with a one-track mind towards proclaiming to the next generation. The American dream says, pour your life out to get to a beach in Florida. God's word, the psalmist says, pour your life out in your last season to tell the next generation how great God is so you're ready to meet Jesus. Die well. You don't need a beach to die well. Trust me, there's going to be lots of beaches in the new heaven and the new earth. Amen? Plenty. You don't need to waste your time now. You're going to have all of it in the age to come. You have one opportunity now. Proclaim the gospel. And as you do that, the mercy of God will be all sufficient for you.
Finally, God's mercy finishes with praise. God's mercy finishes with praise, verses 20 through 24. The old saint finishes the psalm with praise. He even pulls out his instruments, the harp in verse 22, and the lyre at the end of verse 22. Brandon, do you have your harp? Let's get it ready. No, wait, that's a wrong song and a wrong thing. He's pulling out his harp. Why? Because he's so enthusiastic about God. He's went from worry to worship. He's gone from being worried and scared to being free to get the, to get the instruments out and to start singing to God in verse 23. And so the old saint is confident in God and it leads him to sing. Our most enthusiastic singers at church, according to Psalm 71, should be our older folks who are massively like pulled into the love of God. Smile. I don't care what your tone sounds like or your pitch. I care about what's going on in your soul and what's coming out of your, your face. And so the psalmist says, sing, pray, play instruments. So our older folks, I want to encourage you, you should be our most passionate worshipers because you've known God the longest. Lead us. Older folks, there's a lot of young kids in here. They're looking to you. What are you going to do? What face are you going to make? So where does Jesus fit into this psalm? He's not really in here, right, by name. Jesus died when he was 33, after all. But the Bible calls him the Ancient of Days. The one who lived from eternity past and the one who lives to eternity future, Jesus took on flesh. He entered into our human time and space. And he died for your sins and for mine at the age of 33. But you know what he did on the cross? You, do you remember the scene? As he's hanging on the cross, he looks at John and he looks at his mom and he says, John, take care of my mom. Jesus had deep esteem for his elderly mother that she would be taken care of, that she would be treasured, that she would be well-equipped. Jesus cares about you, aging saint. You're not beyond his grasp. He knows exactly where you're at. He's going to carry you home. And by the grace of God, no matter what age you are, when Jesus dies for you and he saves you by his grace, leads you to repentance, you have his promise that he'll carry you through your younger years, he'll carry you in midlife, and he'll carry you home. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your all-sufficient mercy. Thank you, God, for this psalm. Lord, what a beautiful encouragement to age well, to die well. As age creeps up, as we continue this aging process, God, Psalm 71 is like salve to our souls. It's like a foundation that we can stand on. And so God, I pray that you would encourage every person in this room, regardless of their age and stage of life, encourage them where they are. And Lord, for our older saints, may this 
psalm be a great challenge and a great encouragement to pour the, the last season of their life, to pour it out for the gospel of Jesus. Lord, do your work through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit as we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.